I am so excited for today's recording. And I never thought I would say that because it's related to American football, which is not normally something I get excited about ever. But this is a very unique aspect of American football culture that we're talking about that involves our favorite animal. Football is a stupid sport, first of all. Okay, like I know there might be people that disagree with me on that. It's not, it's not worth watching. The only thing worth watching during the Super Bowl is the halftime show. If it's Beyonce or Prince or, I don't know, Lady Gaga crushed it. And also re- representing the Latinas, J-Lo and Shakira a couple years ago. That was dope. Um, but other than that, the Super Bowl serves no purpose. But the Super Bowl did inspire one of the other greatest sporting events in the history of humankind, a.k.a. the Puppy Bowl. So we can thank the Super Bowl for that. <laughs> and the Puppy Bowl is truly fantastic. Like, Anya, I think, you know, since you invited today's guest onto the show, uh, Dan, he is the referee for the Puppy Bowl, which is like, what a cool job. How do we get that job? I'm going to send in my resume. Uh, so I want like you to explain the Puppy Bowl to everybody, but just for background, like the Puppy Bowl, like just imagine watching some of the cutest, fuzziest little dogs rolling on top of each other as they carry small footballs across an indoor football field. And then imagine that that show is then brought to you by none other than Martha Stewart and Snoop Dogg. <laughs> It's a dream come true. Man, I you could not create better programming. You you honestly you couldn't. There's nothing better than the concept and what you just described, right? Like it it truly warms the hearts of millions every year. And the way that the puppy bowl came to be was just kind of honestly an accident. It was in 2005. And Animal Planet executives were trying to figure out counter-programming to the Super Bowl. And this is when the Patriots and the Eagles were going to go head-to-head. And during one of those brainstorming meetings, similar to the meetings you and I have, one of the executives joked, why not put a bunch of puppies on a mini football field? And people were like, well, okay, well... That sounds like something we could do. <laughs> so this is what they teach in your improv class, right? Anya, it's like, yes, and, yes, and. Yes, so and. It's like, okay, exactly. we'll put puppies on the field. Yes, and then what happens? Okay, and then we're going to do this thing. And like, yes, and then what's the next thing that we're going to do? Yeah, it's just one of those things where I don't really think you, you know, for people who've not worked in production, most of the time when you're like developing a show or a concept idea, like you have a deck and you're like, here are the characters, here's the concept, here's the projected audience, and you have this whole outline of how you're going to do things. I would have loved to seen the pitch deck for this, or even if they put one together, or if they just were like, let's just run with this idea and just see what happens. Like, I want to see the old show notes of how this came to be and the and how they they took this kind of jokey idea and actually 
you know, brought it to life and what that actually looked like from bringing it from concept to reality. Um, so what they ended up doing though is and they filmed their first puppy bowl in Silver Spring, Maryland. And guess how many viewers there were for this first premiere of the puppy bowl? Hundreds of thousands? 5.8 million people tuned wow. in. Wow. Good for the puppies. Good for the puppies, right? I mean, that, I can't think of very many shows that premiere that get that many viewers on the first go around. Like, that is incredible. Um, it just shows that puppies sell and that anyone will watch a cute puppy uh, doing literally anything. Um, And so Animal Planet at that moment knew, okay, we have a franchise on our hands and how can we make this bigger and better? And so since then, the Puppy Bowl has taken on a life of its own. And initially they didn't have sideline commentary. They didn't have sponsors, but now they have referees, they have celebrity hosts, they have huge sponsors. And at one point, they also had a failed attempt to put hedgehogs in cheerleading skirts, but they didn't stay on given that the animals have no waistline, uh, as reported by the Washington Post. (laughs) This is so amazing. (laughs) Right? (laughs) They should have gotten Aussies for that, not just because I like them, obviously, but imagine those little, like, cheerleading wiggle butts, just like a whole line of Aussies along the sides. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing. But hedgehogs are pretty, you know, I love, I love the fact that they started incorporating other types of animals in, into, uh, into the show, but it's really just turned into, so now what 2005 is when this idea originated. Now we're in 2023. So to think that the puppy bowl has been around this long is quite remarkable. But one of the biggest things around the puppy bowl, though, is bringing awareness to adopting uh, adoptable animals or adoptable dogs and helping dogs get rescued. And so it's like, in my mind, what a better reason to have a show. I feel like every show should have some element of that, too, where it's like they just throw in something like, oh, here's a dog you can adopt. I don't know. I don't like law and order. NYPD Blue. I don't even know if that's still on. Uh, Shark Tank. Uh, they, uh, you can incorporate a cute rescue puppy in any show. I'm convinced. I don't care if it's a drama, a comedy. You can always find a way to incorporate rescue dogs. 100%. Couldn't agree with you more. And it'll boost your viewership at the same time. You know, it's uh, it's a win-win for the pups and for your uh, your media executives. Right, right. So in regards to also them using this platform for rescue, as soon as people start watching the Puppy Bowl, they can go to animalplanet.com. They can look at the puppy profile and they will connect you directly to the shelter or rescue center that has them. So within minutes, you could be adopting one of these very talented, athletic puppies 
who are national stars, who are playing in one of the greatest sporting events of all time. And you can say that you got a dog that w- that played in the puppy bowl. To me, that is way, has way more weight, means way much more. It's way cooler than being like, I married Tom Brady, who's won 20 Super Bowls. Like, whatever. If I had a dog. Yeah, nobody wants that. Not even Giselle wanted that. Not even Giselle wanted that anymore. She was like, okay, old man, go play with the Bucks and get pummeled every day. And I'm going to go hang out with my hot martial arts teacher now in Costa Rica. Okay. So I'm so excited for this year. I'm personally going to get Ruthie dressed up in a little uh, jersey for the day. I might even have a little watch party for myself. Um, Julie, you're obviously more than welcome to join. (laughs) Smudge, on the other hand, probably won't be able to join because I don't, I think Ruthie would be very upset with how much she would be interrupted by him while trying to watch. And I think Ruthie too, Ruthie would be a good ref. Ruthie would be a very, very good ref because she, uh, for listeners who don't know about Ruthie's personality, she's very sweet and she's very calm. But with puppies in particular, she can be very bossy. And I'm convinced it's because she had a litter before I adopted her. And she has that mama bear gene in her. Whenever a puppy starts acting out of order, she puts... She puts that puppy in its place and says, no, 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 not today. This is not how we do things when Mama Ruthie's here. And I'd like to Yeah, she lays down the law. Oh, she does. She does. How do you think, how do you think Smudge would fare in the puppy bowl as a puppy? Knowing what type of puppy Um, he was. He would not be a team player. So I would start with that. He'd just be like all in for himself. Not a whole lot of collaboration. Um, he would probably just try to take the ball and run and like run off the field and find his mommy outside in the waiting area. That's what Smudge would do. So it kind of reminds me when I was a baby, my mom put me in a crawling competition and the prize was (laughs) (laughs) the prize. I, I, I couldn't have been, I don't know how, how old are babies when they start to crawl? I, I don't know. Four Babies. months, five months, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like, I have no idea. But uh, so in this competition, if I, the winner would have received a year's worth of Oreos, which my sister really wanted because she loved Oreos, and a lifetime supply of diapers for however long the baby was going to be in diapers for. And so wow. I was crawling. And I was kind of like, why am I crawling when I can walk? Because it's apparently I I walked at the time too. And I just got up and I walked. And I won, but I got disqualified. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure the other parents like, oh my God. They probably didn't know that you could walk. They're like, look at her. She's having this incredible moment. Like right here, look at her go. And I'm sure people were applauding. And I'm sure it was like a really heartfelt thing. And in reality, your family just uh, signed you up under uh, suspicious circumstances. 
Yeah, and, and it's like golf too. I don't know for our listeners that play golf, people that have a handicap when they uh, enter a tournament and sometimes they'll lie about how bad they are or how good they are in particular, I should say. Um, and they'll claim a higher handicap so that they get more strokes per hole. And then they will have like this lights out round and they're like, you're not a 12 handicap. I'm sorry for people who don't understand golf analogy, but just look it up. Okay. I'm not going to I don't explain. understand what Anya just said. I'm not so going to explain worry. any of this to you. But regardless, uh, my sister disowned me after that. And that's where our relationship troubles began is because I did not win her Oreos. And then my family went into bankruptcy because they pooped a lot and they couldn't afford all the diapers. So, you know, it's all my fault. Let's just say. <laughs> Uh, let's get Dan on now. I think that's our cue. <laughs> well, we have a very special guest today. Dan the man, as we were told. Also, a puppy ref in the esteemed puppy bowl. <laughs> Dan, thank you for joining for influencers. Okay. Thanks for having me. It's quite an intro. <laughs> Anya's usually very good we, at um, Yeah. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about how your background first before you became a ref in, in the Puppy Bowl. Okay. Um, well, it all started in a small town in Uruguay, South America. Actually, it actually did. My parents uh, grew up in... South America, where you, if you visited down there, you know there's a lot of street dogs. Um, and still to this day, there's a huge stray dog population. So they just took in, um, they, they were partial to dachshunds. So uh, growing up there, they just took in uh, doxy after doxy, random ones, street ones. And uh, they all just kind of lived in their home and, you know, kind of half rural, half, you know, old school type of home. But it was really sweet and instilled a love for dog in my parents and then by, by uh, association, me. Um, growing up in Long Island, my parents came here in, let's see, I don't know, sometime late sixties, early seventies. Uh, I was born after that and, uh, grew up around dogs, always doxies. And then when I went to college, well, my love affair with dogs had to be temporarily put on hold. I had cats for a short while, only flirted with cats. Very brief, brief toward affair. <laughs> Didn't work out. Um, but I did have two cats for a brief period of time. And then moved into a complex where two things happened. Uh, got married. Well, yeah, yeah, that did happen. But then the bigger thing that applies to the story I'm telling is that she's allergic to animals. And we moved into a building that didn't allow animals. And you so married her. Yeah, but here's the deal. <laughs> False advertising. Because I didn't know she was allergic till after the ring was on the finger. So I, I might have a case in court. I might. Yeah, I feel like that's something I would ask on the first date. <laughs> it's 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 interesting, right? Like she was okay around the cats, but as soon as uh, dogs, it just became an issue. Guess what? This this uh, angel of a woman, uh, now like you know, fifteen years later, had went through a regimen of regimen of allergy shots. But I digress. Uh, but I, I did force that to happen because I was like, listen. We need dogs in our lives. Um, this job with Puppy Bowl came around 12 years ago, maybe 13. I had been um, uh, hanging around Animal Planet for a couple of years prior to that. 
my hosting career started shortly after college. I worked at MTV for a little while doing voiceovers and production. Then I went on to the world of discovery, but um, sort of like a, a, a pilot here, a special one hour special there, nothing crazy. Uh, then I got booked by HGTV doing a show called Curb Appeal, nothing to do with animals. Um, one day I'd like to combine the curb appeal of a home with an animal thing. And like, I think that would be awesome. Again, I digress. And then shortly after HGTV, uh, Beer Money, which was a trivia show on, um, on SNY, which is a local sports network here in New York City. And boom, landed on Puppy Bowl. And the way the Puppy Bowl came about, which everyone always asks me, is um, <laughs> it was an audition just like anything else. It was another hosting gig. Um, but I knew I was perfect for it because like I had this love of animals. It had been unrequited for quite a period of time. I was still coping with my wife's allergies and the lack of pets in the building. Both of those thing things have since changed. Um, and I thought it combined everything that I loved. Uh, I love television. I love animals and I love like rules. And, um, that is essentially this giant combination for anyone who watches puppy bowl. We're in our gosh, 19th year. We're on this, you know, sun, uh, not this Sunday, but Sunday, February 12th, same time as the Super Bowl, actually earlier. So you can watch us and then watch them. Um, this is my quick commercial for Puppy Bowl. The greatest thing about Puppy Bowl is that it just balloons every single year. It grows and grows and grows. Um, we started with a handful of dogs, a couple of dozen, maybe before I even started, you know, 19 years ago. And then 12 years ago, uh, I came on. And then it just grow. We have 122 puppies this year, representing 67 shelters across 34 states. So um, it's just a, it's just this dream job that has just escalated into, um, you know, it's going to be it's going to be pretty awesome. Uh, Puppy Bowl 20 is also around the corner, so look out for that. I don't know what we're going to do for our 20th, but stay tuned. It's all good. The audition process to become a puppy bull ref, what does that look like? Are there puppies there and you have to interact with them or I mean, there should have been, this is another case I have. <laughs> this is another case I have about false advertising. There should have been because what they said for the puppy bull audition, this is available somewhere. It's on YouTube or on the, on the animal planet site. You can search this audition. It exists somewhere. They, um, they were like, make a tape. Yeah. Tape. That's how long ago it was, but they were like, make a tape. <laughs> of you just showing what it would mean to be a ref. And I'm like, there's no blueprint for this job. This job doesn't exist <laughs> except in this bizarro but wonderful universe where puppies play football and pigs are cheerleaders and cats dance at halftime. So um, <laughs> I just put, I just put together, I just, Hey, I leaned into that bizarro world, man. I was like, okay, this is it. We're going to do it. So I did it kind of a confessional a la the office, I guess, like um, straight to camera confessional type of stuff where I was like, all my life, all I've ever wanted to do was, was officiate puppies playing football. And I just like, I cut it, I interspersed all this footage of me um, officiating animals. I had, um, my kids were really little at the time. I have two boys. They were like the size of puppies. So I did a puppy bowl with them in the living room uh, <laughs> and on and on and on. Definitely, I mentioned my wife's allergies. Like I, I did the whole thing and how she's on an allergy shot regimen in order to heal herself. And like, I'm on my way. I'm, I'm back, baby. So uh, I think the zany, just the, the absurdity of that um, maybe landed me the job. There was no practical training, however. So once you step into Puppy Bowl, just to give you guys a POV of what's happening, it is, yes, it's 122 dogs this year. 
we're really proud because we have, by the way, 11 special needs dogs. That's the most amount ever. It's a sidebar, I know. But like, um, that's something that's near and dear to my heart. And um, it just shows that special needs dogs can perform as well as uh, regular dogs. And of course, all our dogs do get adopted by the time Puppy Bowl is over. So the whole goal is to get them all home. But um, where was I? Oh, yeah. When you step onto that field, it is not as big as it looks like on TV. It looks like a carpet in your bedroom that's green and maybe slightly, you know, slightly bigger. And there's 20 dogs on it. You know, like we don't have 122 all at once. They're kind of rotated in. But the danger there is that you think you're done. Nope. Here's a whole other set of 12 new dogs. Every quarter is dedicated um, to the sizes. So small dogs in the first quarter. And then we work our way up. So like you got Chihuahua, baby Chihuahuas in first quarter. By the fourth quarter, we're on our uh, baby Dobermans and baby Huskies and all of that. So uh, we don't, of course, they're not in ever any danger. We have reps from the Humane Society. We have vet techs on staff. I mean, so many people are watching to make sure these dogs are safe. Um, but it is controlled chaos. And I guess I wouldn't have it any other way. I mean, it's a dream job. I mean, you said there's no blueprint for it, but I feel like it's something where once you hear that this job exists, people are going to be like, oh my God, that's my dream job. And I'm sure there's like, there must be a massive list of people who are like, I got to get that guy's job. Maybe he'll get injured this year and uh, this will be my <laughs> chance to take to the field. I say, I welcome it. Bring it on. I need all the help I can get. Talk, I hope Animal Planet's listening. We need 10 reps, okay? We need a staff because in Puppy Bowl, there's very the, – <laughs> right, you guys, right. We, we are like um, – and that's the point. It is Animal Planet. The humans really aren't the star of the show, which I do love this about our mission. So it is all about the animals. But again, on a practical point of view, from the human perspective, there's not much assistance out there. Uh, so it's really all on me. And there's a lot of pressure sometimes for making the right call. Oh, sure. I can only imagine. And this might sound like a strange question. Maybe I'm overthinking everything, but is there a screen test that any of these puppies have to do either with you or yeah. themselves? Like yeah, do they yeah. audition so to get I, to participate in the puppy bowl? Here's the, here's the puppy bowl. They're very strict requirements. So write this down. They have to be between three and six months of age. They have to be puppies and they have to be cute and untrained. That's it. That is literally all you need to be. If a puppy even has a whiff of being trained, pun intended, they, we don't want them. We don't want performing puppies, trained puppies, perfect puppies. We want puppies doing what they do, which is napping and pooping and sleeping and playing and jumping and just creating a habit. So that it sounds doesn't require like, uh, a lot. Half the men I've dated. <laughs> Minus the three half to the six months old thing. <laughs> Exactly. Well, maybe they should <laughs> next year send them to puppy bowl tryouts. You never know. <laughs> how they many might, dogs they might get audition. a walk on roll. <laughs> how many yeah, dogs so here, here's do you how guys it works. go through? Yeah, yeah. So the actual audition to answer your your earlier question about screen test, the screen test is a photograph of so shelters, of course, you know, it has to be a shelter. It can't, you know, come from a it has to be a rescue group, someone who's actually trying to get the dogs home. Um, has to be a photo of the dog next to, usually next to a soda can, a 12 ounce soda can. And just for perspective and scale. And then you'll be able to sense, okay, this dog's super tiny, this dog's, super, you know, and you get a sense as to how large the dog is and what they'll look like. And on what I already told you guys, it's a really small field. Um, that's the screen test. And then honestly, it's, we put it together the same way you guys would put it together. Meaning if this year we have 67 sh different shelters, we want to represent as many different shelters from across the nation as possible, even the world, because we have a player this year from uh, the West Indies, uh, a, a puppy player 
from Dominica, the island of Dominica. So um, we're trying to wrap as much as we can, right? Not just stick to one shelter and different breeds, different mixed breeds. Um, there's a mission within a mission within a mission here, uh, trying to show that not only are amazing, you know, special needs dogs uh, amazing and can can perform as well as regulars, but also that, hey, people who think you can adopt a pure breed from a rescue, you know, you, you can. There's plenty of pure breeds um, or interesting mixes uh, that, you know, you might like a Yorkie Poo or beyond the Yorkie Poos to um, – to things that you know puggles and all those beautiful mixes that are out there so all we're trying to create is this rainbow of dogs um to make it it is a three-hour show so we're trying to fill that time you know as as colorfully as possible how has the mission changed since you came on you said 12 years ago how, it hasn't how changed it's gotten bigger yeah it's like the mission has always been involved. it started like yeah like no, no, I just mean like, yeah, some, some missions do change. Our, ours hasn't. Ours has simply grown in scale and scope, right? So it was always to get these dogs adopted. Um, I guess a cynic would say the, the initial mission of Puppy Bowl was to just put something on as counter-programming because it is Super Bowl Sunday and like, you know, hey, let's give people something else to watch. But um, that was the sort of business-minded mission, but the sort of um, – Mission driven, mission driven mission, or I should say, charity driven mission or community driven mission, is to get these animals adopted as quickly as possible. Shine a light on the overpopulation problem in this country. Um, the way it's expanded is again, recent years we've had more special needs dogs than ever. Uh, we have uh, dogs that are hearing impaired, that are missing a leg, perhaps they have a cleft palate, perhaps you know they're blind. We still want to show them safely, but we want to show that showcase them. And get them adopted. As we all know, it's very easy. I gave you the requirements. Three to six months of age for a puppy, right? Most of them, chances are, if you're betting, they're going to get adopted. But that special needs dog in the corner, or maybe that dog that's slightly older or came from a tougher background or maybe has some behavioral, maybe they need a little bit of a push. So, again, that's how the mission has expanded and, and continues to every year because we continue to grow. As part of how you've grown, like I, Ani and I both have backgrounds in uh, film production and we've been producers for a while. And I know that a lot of the, the rigs that our teams are working on have evolved, you know, since we started in this industry, you know, more than 12 years ago. Has the technology yeah. behind the puppy bowl changed at all? Like how the dogs are filmed and how that content is captured? Interesting. Yes. Great question. I wish we had our technical director here, He, you know, or our actual showrunner he would be able to give you the actual names of it. But I can tell you from a layman's perspective, um, there are more cameras than ever before. So whereas it may have started with one jib cam, two or three stationaries, and maybe one at the end of the goalpost. Now there's cameras, you know, in the water bowls, literally water bowl looking up. So you can kind of <laughs> see dogs drinking on top of you. There's cameras embedded in the chew toys, which are the footballs that they have to carry across the field. Um, there's a backstage area, there's a paparazzi area, red carpet, uh, area. So there's more setups, uh, more locations. So I guess the world of puppy bowl stadium is expanding, whereas it just wasn't, you know, locked into the stadium. Now we see the locker rooms. Now we see, as I said, the, where the team bus pulls up for the red carpet. Um, it just, there's just more. Um, and as far as technically speaking, what else has changed? Let me think. We do get in-game audio, same as the NFL where we can hear some of the players and normally it's going to be, you know, grunting and snorting and a couple of yelps, but you're going to get that close up if you tune into puppy bowl. Um, and more behind the scenes stuff too, you know, more, more like what 
what you know profile packages on these dogs where do they come from digging deeper into their histories um this is what we call pup close and personal or the adoptable segments these are segments within puppy bowl um pre-produced packages of course but they give you like hey if you're watching you know mango right now score a touchdown here's where mango cave came from he was abandoned on the side of the road in texas and he was picked up by this wonderful rescue in houston um and brought up to play puppy bowl and guess what you know you'll have a home very soon so uh just giving you a yeah just widening out on the whole world i think that's how it's expanded this is giving me the inspiration to i mean not just i have a you know like a nanny cam where i can watch my dog from when i leave right to now i'm gonna put cameras in her toys and her water bowls i i want to get all the different angles and all the different viewpoints well <laughs> you have a puppy <laughs> You have a puppy? I have, I have a rescue. Uh, she's six. Yeah. So, here, you know, what's interesting. Um, <laughs> it takes a week to shoot the puppy bowl, you know, to like get it all done. Um, because a lot of times puppies won't do too much. Even puppies who are super energetic. If you're training a camera on them, you know, they'll play for like the first 30 seconds to a minute or so. But then it's a lot of waiting around for the next bit of action to happen. Um that's why it can take a full day to get through a couple of quarters in Puppy Bowl. Right. Um, so there's a lot of editing, which is why this stuff needs to get, you know, uh, preloaded, edited, and, you know, made to look good. It's already exciting because, again, by its very nature, 122 dogs on a field is, is an incredible achievement. Um, but it does, you know, I, I thought that too. Like, let's put a bunch of cameras on. Let's do a live feed and see what these puppies are up to. Half the time they're sleeping. Yeah, well, that she, my dog's sleeping right now. Yeah, she's. <laughs> this should be a whole like puppy blow after dark, and it should just be the puppies sleeping. It's like yeah, I, what but they if do I half, if I half. just opened a plastic bag right now, even though there's nothing in there, she would wake up. <laughs> that would that's her. Send her our way. <laughs> um, she sounds as perfect. Far as, the, <laughs> as far as the rules go, explain the rules of the puppy bowl. It's pretty simple. <laughs> All you have to do, much like the requirements are simple, the rules are you have to drag or kick um, a chew toy, which is littered across the field. You know, there's like an assortment of chew toys because we don't discriminate. It doesn't, a football doesn't have to be a football. It can also be a, you know, a felt banana. And uh, as long as a chew toy is dragged into an end zone, it counts as a touchdown. We don't also dis- we also don't discriminate which end zone. We're happy with either end zone. Uh, a touchdown is a touchdown, and we didn't think that puppies. We thought that of course puppies could only, you know, lift it with their with their mouths and carry it in. No, apparently puppies can kick balls. Um, it's happened ever since Puppy Bowl eleven eight years ago, uh, first ever Puppy Bowl Puppy Field Goal, and ever since then, almost as if they're like speaking to each other te- telepathically. They're all, they can all kick balls now. And that's what happens every year now, ever since Puppy Bowl 11, we've got field goals. It's pretty amazing. So um, I think we're changing the DNA of dogs is what I'm getting at. I mean, honestly, I'm not, I'm, I'm not really a big football fan. So this is as far as my entertainment goes on Super Bowl Sunday. <laughs> I, okay. Puppy all Bowl right. is where I'm at. That, that is, uh, that's good. that is what I love to watch. <laughs> nice. Anya's, well, we uh, Anya's catnip. You. And I work in um, sports. <laughs> Dan, I'm curious. Okay, so the whistle goes. It's like the first few seconds. 
of the competition, what is going through your brain? And is like, is your heart racing or have you done this so many times that you're like, okay, cool, calm, collected. I know what's going to happen. I'm pretty calm. And I was calm on the first day too. Um, It's because again, like I said, it's not like, yes, they're, they're like, okay, let's go whistle blows. It still takes a little while for these guys to warm up. Um, so what I'm looking for are, of course, scoring plays or anything that could be near the end zone. But I'm also looking for fouls, you know, puppy penalties. Um, unfortunately, uh, we have to turn a blind eye to some of the more common ones, like sleeping. We don't try to highlight that one too much. Um, any sort of, oh, I don't know, relieving a number one or number two on the field. I mean, we could call it a tinkle on the 20 penalty and give them five <laughs> yards. but. But if we stopped the game every time a puppy relieved himself on the field, we'd never continue with puppy ball. Like, so we actually have to let those things go a little bit, which is funny. Uh, unless the stench is really bad. Then you can call an odor interference or, you know, something, something really strong, illegal stench. And then um, you can sit the guy out. But if it's just normal puppy doing their thing, you know, you're not going to you're not going to hit. You're, you're looking for the really flagrant penalties like rough sides, illegal formation, uh, pancaking, puppy rumbles. Uh, I don't know. Ineligible retriever downfield. That one comes out a lot. Uh, neutral bone infraction. Because there's also ones that are sort of riffs on, you know, human penalties as well. And then, you know, the humans speak in yards. We speak in inches. So, you know, five inch penalty, first down that kind of stuff. How did you guys come up with all of the different names for the different penalties? It's easier than you think. There's like, (laughs) it's funny. There's, it just comes up like, you know, instead of puppy ball, call it poopy ball. Uh, There's so, there's a million (laughs) when, when a dog, there's like, you know, the Eskimos here it is have like, I think you could correct me if I'm wrong. If you have Google, they have like 50 plus words for snow because, right, like they live in the world of snow. Uh, they use it for everything, for water, for housing, for everything. So they have 50 different words for it. We have 50 different ways of saying fouling of the field, right? <laughs> Fertilizing the field, tinkle on the 20, turn down, turn it long. Um, there's, there's a lethal offense. I thought of that one last year. There's so many ways to, to you know, innuendo that. Um, so the, they do kind of come pretty easily. Uh, the most classic ones are, you know, pause interference instead of pass interference. And that one does literally happen all the time. Puppies are always putting paws on each other and getting a little rough. So you could call it rough sides or roughing the passer uh, or pause interference. So there are some that are super common that we use all the time. And then there's the ones that are just cute and, you know, we kind of have to archive for next time. And you have a starting lineup of puppies as well. Yes. Are there any in particular that you're really excited about meeting? Well, here's or the just thing. All of them. I, so, <laughs> I was going to say, you know, you're speaking to not a fan. You're speaking, of course, to a you know, <laughs> an official of the game. I do have to remain impartial and can't pick favorites. <laughs> I will tell you. However, I am allowed to say that certain are certain ones are pretty good. Um, among the smaller breeds, you want to look out for this like little chai mix named Emma from Florida Little Dog Rescue. Um, super cute. Uh, I wish I had a screen share to be able to show you pictures, but it's all on the Puppy Bowl website. You can follow this stuff um, if you want, like I do. Slightly larger breeds. We have this uh, Shep, gorgeous like dappled Shep mix 
named Jimmy Kibble. Um, and he's, uh, you know, he's also looks like he's going to be a top scorer. So it kind of goes on and on like that with the larger breeds. I have to remember because those larger breeds come at you hard. Okay. And then you have, you look down after one or two quarters of chihuahuas, um, and doxies and you look down and suddenly there's a baby great dane and baby great danes are as big as full-grown little dogs so you're just like whoa so we have to limit the amount of dogs in that fourth quarter but in the larger breeds look for josh allen hound and tom barkey and yes we're very proud of those puns um so you may not be able to name favorites in terms of your favorite players but have you had any favorite moments over the years you know if you could go back and relive a Puppy couple of favorite or anything yeah, I mean, so many great moments. Puppy Bowl 10. That's how I say look out for Puppy Bowl 20. Now this year and, of course, 20 next year are going to be huge. Puppy Bowl 10, we had Michelle Obama kick us off. That was pretty incredible, just as far as, like, pride moment. Um, gee, what else? Along the way, we've had so many celebrities that have, you know, of course, taken part. In past years, Snoop Dogg and Martha. Uh, we've had, you know, everyone from news anchors to TV stars um, to of course all the dog influencers out there uh, participate. It's it's just so many. I guess my proudest moment is literally the end of every puppy bowl from the previous year. So I know it's a corny answer, but this is the most honest I can give. We're in puppy bowl nineteen coming up now. Puppy bowl eighteen. The best moment for me is if you watch puppy bowl to the end. My personal favorite moment is as we said, hundred plus dogs all up for adoption. And yes, they all pretty much get adopted by the time Public Bowl is over. They might be one or two that is still like adoption pending, but they all find a home. And the coolest moment in every Puppy Bowl is just before the credits roll and we finished, you know, and everyone's exited the stadium and the lights are down, is seeing they actually show, you know, these dogs getting scooped up and going to their forever homes. Um, it's just like a 30 seconds or a minute at the end of every Puppy Bowl. And it is just the most like there won't be a dry eye in the house. It's a great, uh, great moment. And so that's my proudest moment each and every year. Uh, not what me blowing a whistle or calling an interesting penalty. It's more like what we've accomplished. And remember this, it's very easy to put 122 adorable puppies on TV and get them adopted because we have millions of viewers every single year. That's what, what is more difficult is the siblings of those puppies and the parents of those puppies, um, whoever might still be sitting in a shelter right now. And those are the ones that because of what we do, Suddenly, you know, we always identify whatever rescue and uh, shelter we work with. So if you're if you do fall in love with a dog, you call up that shelter. Hey, is Cooper available? No, he just got adopted, of course, because he was on television. Well, but Cooper's got a brother or Cooper's got a really sweet mom who's been sitting there um, for, you know, I don't know, four months in this shelter and just can't find a home. Would you give her a chance? Would you come come visit her? So that's all. Um, I'm a big lover of adult dogs. Uh, I fostered over 40 dogs in over the wow. last few years. Um, soon as soon as those allergy shots kicked in, we were on. <laughs> and um, it, it's been amazing. But the adult dogs are the ones that, as as you guys well know, you, you know, you just mentioned having a six-year-old. They're awesome. You know, adult dogs are awesome too. So it's not to take anything away from puppies, but we can all agree that puppies will generally get adopted. It's that right. extended family of the puppy that we're That's trying interesting. to get in, including the rescue. I, so it, it, it's it's interesting as far as just like the the trickle effect that this show has that you don't see necessarily outside of what's shown and knowing, oh, all of these puppies are getting adopted. But the fact that at least people are calling these shelters and maybe they don't adopt a sibling, but maybe oh, yeah. there's another puppy there at that shelter that they fall in love with. 
So it's really cool to hear that side of it because that is not something I actually would have thought of. And that's hard data too. That's not just uh, anecdotal. I mean, we get reports because I still have the one I live in New York. So I have a relationship with all the New York shelters and, and they're often who I foster with simply because it's, you know, they're in my, they're in my home area, but they all say after puppy bowl, they report an uptick in inquiries and adoptions and, you know, they clean out their shelters. So that's, of course, that's the goal all the time, every day. So, Hey, let's, Let's just start a letter writing campaign to make Puppy Bowl like, I don't know, quarterly event. Yeah. I mean, listen, <laughs> professional football plays 16 games a season, right? Puppy Bowl only gets one. So I feel like we could probably – or Puppy puppy Baseball, Puppy World Cup. It could go on and on, but you get the picture. And you had mentioned you know, that this was created to be counter-programming to the Super Bowl. And, I, and from some of the articles that I had read, it was just kind of like a random idea – and they're like, all right, we'll try it. And then it ended up being this huge success. Why do you think people outside of the obvious of their cute puppies and it's fun to watch pe- puppies tumble and rumble around? Why do you think people connect with it so much on what is it? I, I probably it sounds like a deeper emotional level at times. For sure. Uh, I think it's programming on you know in this country super bowl sunday is kind of a national holiday not an official one but semi-official you know people kind of slow down for that week you know weekend and they kind of like gather around the tv or you know even if you're only peripherally involved uh, or care like you're saying you don't really love sports you're still aware of it you know it's part of the culture that day um well this gives the chance for Again, the non-sports fans, the old, the young, everyone in the family to get together and root for something. Um, and it's something where, again, everyone's a winner. So there's really like no losing side in Puppy Bowl. It's just a feel-good sporting event. And I think it just, you know, it's a nice compliment to the human football that goes on in the evening. Um, and you don't have to choose between the two of us. You can watch us at 2 o'clock and then watch the other stuff later on. By, you know, by the time we're done at 5, the human football games are starting. But I guarantee you... Ours um, is cuter and has more cuddling. <laughs> Definitely Guaranteed. cuter. And probably more uh, more tinkling on the 20th than uh, <laughs> the main yeah. event. It's more and, real. Dan, this is, yeah, exactly. It's more real life. And, Dan, this is more of a comment than a question, but I think the like just the representation of the special needs pups has just been – for me, something especially nice about you know what you and the Puppy Bowl team are doing, I've just noticed in recent years more people with dogs in my um, New York neighborhood who have different, I'll say like physical challenges. Maybe they're in wheelchairs or they have fake legs and stuff like that. And I just I don't remember seeing that in New York as much when I was growing up. And there seems to be much more right. of like an openness and a willingness now to adopting dogs, getting dogs that might have a physical or you know mental disability, but still giving them an amazing home and they can be just like wonderful pets to have as well. It's interesting. I'm doing a video series now for my Instagram about uh, how extra pet parents can be. Um, And we're already extra now, you know, this, this generate, not this generation, this generation of dog owners, meaning all of us collectively, whether you're, you know, nine or 90, we all are extra with our dogs now compared to years ago. Um, I'm not sure why exactly. I think it's awesome. 
But then why wouldn't that then extend to a dog with special needs? In other words, if we're already buying our dog, you know, six sweaters for the winter and throwing them birthday parties and, you know, I don't know, taking them on vacation with us, you know, we're always kind of, we're going to, you know, pet subscription packages, um, all this stuff that comes through our, through our mail for them. Then we should, if you think about it, like taking on a dog who maybe, yes, is in a wheelchair or is diabetic or has cataracts. Maybe then that's not so difficult anymore, you know, because if you're doing one, two, three and four things, then adding a fifth one isn't so hard. Um, So I think it's a lovely thing where, yes, we're bringing awareness to it. But I also think in general, the nation, the world hopefully is changing in how they perceive, you know, our our relationship with our dogs, I think, is deepening. And that's a pretty awesome thing. Yeah, I think I think the pandemic also really shaped people's uh, relationships with their animals, particularly ones that got a dog during the pandemic and it really helped them during what was yeah. a trying time for everyone Huge. in different ways. Um and yes. I would say social media has really given us insight into animals' personalities that otherwise we may not have really seen. I know Julie and I all we did is send each other videos of dogs on Instagram. I think that's basically what our relationship is built on at this point. And it's, it's a, I think once Mm -hmm. you realize just the joy that animals provide to to you, just generally speaking, you want to give that back to them. And I, I feel that way about my dog. I feel a great sense of responsibility and love and compassion towards her because of what she's given me as well. It's like a, it's a very mutually beneficial relationship. At least I, at least I think so. She hasn't verbally said it to me, but she seems content. (laughs) Um, It's interesting when I do deep, you know, when I have these discussions with dog owners about like, well, why, you know, why did you spend, (laughs) why did you spend five figures on their birthday party? And they, you know, one of the coolest answers I got was from this elderly gentleman in Washington Square Park. I don't know. He was in his late sixties and he had this beautiful Doberman that was the most well-behaved little guy and just looked, looking straight up at him. And he goes, I go, why'd you, why were you so elaborate in the birthday party? He's like, uh, what could I possibly give this dog that he hasn't given me every single day of my life? Mm-hmm. He gets me out of my, my apartment. You know, he gets me moving. He gets me talking to my neighbors. He gives me exercise. He gives me uh, mental stamina. It's just, it's so true. I'm just echoing and, and you know, what you're saying here, but it's, um, it's so true. They give us back so much more. Well, we are really excited to tune in to the puppy bowl this year. I'm going to get puppy chow. I'll get some snacks. Ruthie will be geared up. Maybe I'll get her a little cheerleading outfit to wear so she can cheer on all the puppies. <laughs> I can't wait Sounds to see good. the special needs dogs on the field and also watching you ref and, and, and handle the madness of it all. Yeah. Yeah. The controlled chaos. It's there. Enjoy it. Do you have a favorite? Um, just to fill you in, Team Rough and Team Fluff are the two teams. Don't worry. It's not complicated either. We only started keeping score six years ago. So <laughs> Team Rough has won three times, and Team Fluff has won three times. So they're, they're all knotted up here. Um, this is a big the game. Early, the early <laughs> – it is a big game, bigger than normal, because, again, in previous years, it's like, okay, three to two. But now they're knotted up, and it really is bragging rights. Do you have a favorite, Fluff or Rough? I hate to put you on the spot, but, you know, Vegas is listening. Just kidding. <laughs> Definitely okay. Fluff. I, I'm, right. I have to go in So we'll that. talk. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm, I'm a fluffer too. Opposite? 
Okay, two flops. So we will talk uh, after the puppy pull is over. We'll reconvene. We'll do a postmortem on the whole thing, and we'll uh, we'll see how you did. Some <laughs> postgame analysis. Wait, is there, can we can we bet on this? Is there a place where we can do over unders? <laughs> I'm not allowed to say that word. I, I I'm not allowed to say that word. I I, I know nothing about anything. I'll check with um, draft I, I'm just talking about friendly. You know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're not sponsored by FanDuel yet. But we're working on. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> well, Dan, thank Katie's you again. Katie's still listening, and she, yeah. Sorry. Yes, <laughs> no, thank good. you. The, I know. The, I know you're tight on time. The planet is hating this right now. <laughs> no, I'm good. I'm good. We I'm can good. edit it's, it out. It's been a pleasure. It's it's fine. I'm just joking. As you know, we're just joking around. It is yeah. crazy though. I can say this: that Vegas. I guess not. You can't do it officially, but there are you know, individuals in Las Vegas that do place bets on this, which is ridiculous because this has all been shot in advance. So, you know, it's oh, that's right. it, now, l- but let me be clear about something. And I guess this is why there's a team rough and team fluff. I have no idea who wins because we, we show multiple endings and we have multiple MVPs. That's most valuable pups. And so we don't really know until like basically the, the game is, you know, right before game time and America votes on the MVPs anyway. So a lot of it still is left up to game day. So a lot of excitement and I'll come back. Yeah, we'll do, we'll do our post game afterwards. See how you do. I would love oh, that. I, can't wait. I would love that. Julie and I can do our own side bets and then we'll come back to you and let you know who, who won. <laughs> yeah, it's on. It's happening. <laughs> Sorry. Take care. <laughs> Thanks so much, Dan. This was awesome. <laughs>